Please be seated. Our text this morning is Psalm 34, as I mentioned, if you want to turn there. Uh, but also, I need you to put your finger on 1 Samuel chapter 21. We have to have a little bit of a longer introduction this morning to this psalm to help set the context and see uh, what was going on in David's life when he composed the psalm. It helps. So Psalm 34, I want to talk to you, and the Lord wants to give you some encouragement to seek the Lord in this new year, encouragement to seek the Lord in 2017 this morning. I don't know if your Bible has the heading. Um, in the ESV, there's a, a heading before verse 1, kind of a verse 0, if you will, that just brings in context. It says, Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. That heading is a pointer back to 1 Samuel chapter 21. So I'm going to turn over there and read a bit of that story to help set the context. In 1 Samuel 21, in verse 10, there's the story of David fleeing to Gath, enemy territory. But he seems to have enemies all around him. He's fleeing Saul an enemy from his Israel family, and he now has to go into foreign territory, also enemy territory. And an amazing thing happens, and uh, boys and girls, kind of a strange thing as well. It said, David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. This is a famous person, a powerful king, and now he's fleeing alone into enemy territory. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So listen to what he did. He changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let spittle run down his beard. Totally out of character from that great warrior king, David. And then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you've brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And he Rather than being captured as an enemy king, he actually is freed in this. He is delivered. His life is redeemed from this trouble. And he goes to the cave of Adullam. It says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And this wonderful scene happens now in this cave that is likely where this psalm was sung and spoken, or at least the scene that happens in this cave fits to what David composed. It says in this cave, when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. 
What a beautiful picture this is. And everyone who is in distress, and everyone who is in debt, and everyone who is bitter in soul gathered to him. And so here they worship the Lord. David was delivered, and these people gather with him as their leader. So that's the context for our song. Like I said, it takes a few extra minutes to get into our text this morning, but it helps. So picture that scene and listen to how David praised the Lord and encouraged others to seek the Lord as I read from Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. We've heard from the word of God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word this morning that you have preserved for us over many years. It's been translated into our language, and it's been brought before us in your presence. We thank you, Jesus, for being that greater David, that suffering servant that laid down his life for his sheep. Holy Spirit, I pray that now you would give us ears to hear and hearts that would be warmed and encouraged to seek you wholly this year. Show us wonderful things, wonderful things from your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, so there's 
couple things we have to look at in this psalm first as we, as we start digging into it. The one thing that we can't notice in our translation in English, but would be more apparent to a Hebrew reader, is this is an acrostic. That is to say, each letter of the alphabet has one line in the poem, in the song. So maybe uh, if you recall back to how you learned to read, and A is for apple, B is for boy or ball, you go down the line, each one of those, if they were put on the same page, would represent the full alphabet. So in this, in this psalm, David has done that. You may be familiar with that from Psalm 119 that takes each section, and some, some of your Bibles will point that right out, Aleph, Beit, Gimel. It'll be the Hebrew alphabet going down the line. So we have this kind of full picture, this complete picture that David is trying um, to show and praise forth God from a whole heart. What's interesting about it is he doesn't follow the exact order. He takes one letter, the Vav, and puts it at verse 22, kind of to serve as a summary of all of this. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. And then right at the center of that, in verse 10, the young lions suffer want and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. What I want to do then this morning is kind of put those two together in the context of the entire psalm and consider this thought. Because the Lord redeems his servants, we should seek him with all our hearts. Because the Lord redeems people, we must seek him with all our hearts. And I want to look at how David includes five things, five things that are brought into this psalm of thanksgiving and praise for seeking the Lord. Five things that you can do to seek the Lord. I want to encourage you to seek the Lord this year. And so here are those five things. First, To seek God's glory. To seek God's guard. You may be noticing a pattern. To seek God's goodness. To seek godliness. And then all of them come together in kind of a summary form. Seek God's son. So encouragement for you to seek God's glory, his guard, his goodness, godliness, and most importantly, his son, Jesus Christ. Well, we have a lot of work to do then to cover all of these this morning. So let's look at verses 1 to 3 as we talk about seeking God's glory. David begins, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. In these three lines, we have a call to worship and witness to testify to the Lord. It's interesting that David's starting point is much like the starting point of our church's statement of faith in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Can you think of the first question and the first thing that our forefathers wanted to bring out in our statement of faith, what is the chief end of man? 
to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God. Well done. It's not just the first question that's, well, probably the most memorized. It's not just the first question of a long list of things to memorize. It is a wonderful and guiding truth. And David recognizes this and inspired by the Holy Spirit captures that. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He wants the Lord magnified. He wants his name exalted. And he calls for those people. I picture the people together in that cave. Let us exalt the name of the Lord together. A great king with people following him. And yet David pointed to a greater king. Well, this year, then, I would encourage you to consider your worship. And there's almost all levels of worship covered here, a full spectrum, a a personal one. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If it's continually in your mouth, it could represent all times. When you praise the Lord and worship Him alone, when you gather together in small group or family and praise the Lord and pray together, Or like we are doing now, what an encouragement it is for corporate worship, worshiping together in the church on the Lord's Day, that let us exalt his name together. And also David, in this psalm, is giving a testimony to God's amazing deeds and his wonderful works in his life. This deliverance was amazing, and you can see it and hear it in David's testimony of it. His own experiences and our own experiences can be a powerful testimony to glorify the Lord. We can seek God's glory as we look and see what has God done in our lives for us. What is our testimony of conversion, of answered prayer? And these things can be great witness for Christ. So we have a call to worship and witness, to seek God's glory this year as a foundation and a starting point. That was David's starting point in this psalm, and it leads to so much more. So secondly, let's look at seeking God's guard. Verses 4 to 7. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. In this section, David really speaks first of his personal experience, that deliverance that we talked about as we looked in 1 Samuel 21, and the guarding of David, which produced an incredible joy and peace in him. And David is sharing this because it's available in Christ to us today. God includes this in his word, and it continues right to this very moment that we too can have a deliverance and guarding through Christ. Notice in verse 4, he talks about seeking the Lord. He says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He mentions lacking no good thing. Recently, I had a chance to look at this psalm with a small group in our church of uh, high school students, and this verse 4 
really encouraged them, thinking about how God guards and protects them. They were nervous about upcoming tests, nervous about uh, musical performances that they had coming up. They were anxious about these things. And we, we looked at this and we said, if you seek the Lord, he will answer you and he will deliver you from all your fears. They still would have to take those tests. It wasn't a deliverance that would get them out of the test. It wasn't a deliverance that said, well, I'm a little nervous about my performance, so I guess, you know, it'll just get canceled. It'll snow and it'll get, you know, snowed out. No, something much better than that. They would be strengthened by the Lord and guarded by him and be able to go through that, conquering that fear and being delivered from those fears. There's a beautiful picture of what that experience is like. Those who, to, who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. That is, this radiance, is a, there's a joyful countenance, a joyful look on their face. It is a glow that comes from knowing the Lord is with you and guarding you. And maybe you can think of the time when Elisha was gathered and didn't know how they would be protected, and then he was able to see a whole host of God's army around him, protecting him, the angel and camps around him. Well, this is really uh, like what we think about with a shepherd guarding. We think of Christ as a good shepherd. This picture of guarding, Jeremiah saw this. In chapter 31, the prophet Jeremiah wrote these words. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has ransomed him from, his hands, from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of of the Lord. So Jeremiah, in a very similar way, sees this guarding of a shepherd. Did you hear what I said? It said, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. That keeping could be translated as guarded as well. It's that idea, he will guard him as a shepherd guards his flock. That is what the Lord did for David, and that is what the Lord does for those who put their trust in Christ. And then he ties that radiance to the goodness of the Lord. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. Earlier, the prophet Jeremiah, in a letter to the exiles, wrote, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So we are encouraged this morning to seek the Lord. He will be found. Seek him with all your heart. And so 
that radiance that Jeremiah noticed, he tied it to God's goodness. And that leads us to the third way that we can um, seek the Lord this year. Seek God's goodness. Let's look at verses 8 through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. In this section, David talks of God's goodness, the experience of it, and then the blessing of it. There's a very interesting, uh, in your bulletin, I highlight it to you this morning, um, the reflection on this part of the psalm gives a beautiful picture of what that taste uh, is like. Since you have tasted that the Lord is delicious, of all the sensory metaphors, tasting is most intimate and the, holy, and the only one that involves ingestion. Seeing God, hearing God, even touching God, does not carry the powerful connotations that tasting implies, making the experience of God internal to oneself. God is not, a, is not a subject to be studied, but a banquet to be enjoyed. The experience is so real for David. But also there's a, there's a little hidden hint in here as well. Uh, in the Hebrew word for taste is very similar to what we find in 1 Samuel 21 where he talked about he pretended to be insane. It actually could be literally spoken of as when David changed his taste. And so Sinners in a fallen world, we need to change our taste from selfishness and sin and seek that goodness, to taste the goodness of the Lord. In fact, Peter, in the reading, our New Testament reading earlier, cited this in 1 Peter 2, 3, when he's talking about craving spiritual nourishment. Was there a particular food or something during the holidays that was maybe tempting, you wanted, to, or was delicious, or you wanted to go back to, or some Christmas cookie maybe it was that you wanted to go back to, and oh, those are delicious, those are delicious. That's a, just a little bit of, of what we're talking about here, that there's something that, oh, it stands out, it is so good. That is Christ. Seek his goodness. I don't know if you watch the pictures uh, or those safari shows where the animals walk around. But I have one son that we like to watch some of those together. And it's an amazing thing that we saw that even the lions, who are the most powerful in the, in the uh, plains of Africa, they struggle so much. They're, they're the strongest. They rule over everything, and yet they have to continually search out. They suffer. They're always hungry. They're always on looking for food, and they don't always get it. And the young lions suffer sometimes so much that they don't survive. So we could really picture what David talked about here. We've seen for ourselves 
The young lions suffer want and hunger. They don't get what they need, but the Lord, if you seek him, you'll lack no good thing. His goodness is poured out to us in Christ and in the church. So David really experienced God's goodness. So real that he tasted it and he shared it with all of us, with the people in that cave, the people that were in debt and going through difficult times, and he shared that goodness. Well, the psalm really is in two parts, and this ends the first part. There's David's testimony and experience, but then he shifts now in verse 11 to the end of the psalm into uh, an instruction. He turns it into a lesson. He teaches from what he's learned as their leader, then he then, he then teaches. And the lesson really at first focuses on holiness or godliness or righteousness. So let us then shift looking at verses 11 to 14 as we consider our fourth uh, encouragement to seek God, to seek godliness. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David now provides great wisdom. God provides that wisdom for us today, but oh, what a challenge it is. Look at what the description of this godliness is like here. It starts with the fear of the Lord, which in other places we're told is the beginning of wisdom. And David begins his wisdom section with this. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. We know from the book of James and personal experience what a challenge that can be, especially in, fa in our families. But we are encouraged here to seek godliness, and that includes our words, the control of our tongue. There is a call to turn away from one thing and turn to another here. We're to turn away from evil and do good. We're to seek peace and pursue it. This idea of pursuing here, seeking peace and pursuing peace, it's not just a wishful thinking. It's not just, I hope, uh, I hope I get peace. I hope everything works out. I hope everybody around me controls their tongue, and then I'll control mine. You know, the young children sometimes, well, if nobody starts anything with me, if nobody takes anything from me, I'll never get in trouble. But once they, once they do that, I, I, I'm tempted, and I go after them. And then they end up getting the ones getting in trouble, right? But here, we're not just to seek peace, hoping it happens around us. But we are to pursue it. That is, to chase it like one chases an enemy. Actively, aggressively, seeking peace. Like those lions. Seeking and aggressively looking for their meal. 
It's quite a contrast from what we normally do. In our fallen condition, we tend to most aggressively become most emotional when we're frustrated and angry. Now we want to put our energies in 2017 to seeking godliness, to seeking peace and pursuing it. In fact, Peter also quoted this later in 1 Peter 3.10. I'm going to turn over to that. Peter was talking about suffering for righteousness' sake. And he, too, urges godliness. Think about this. What ways could you seek godliness this year? This is a good passage to look at. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, Bless, for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. It seems that Peter, in his letter, had this psalm in mind. He, he cites it in chapter 2 and now in chapter 3 as well. David's relief, his gratitude poured out in this psalm serve as a lesson that the Lord delivers the righteous even if in their suffering. Do you have ideas on how you can pursue godliness this year? It's a challenge for us all, but seek godliness this week. And now we turn to our fifth and final encouragement to seek the Lord this morning. And this, this final one is very powerful. It's most significant because it represents, in a way, a culmination of everything we've talked about to this point. We've spoken of seeking God's glory, His guarding, His goodness and godliness, and now seeking God's Son. Because in Christ, we really see all of those other things brought together. God is most glorified in Christ. God is the best guard through the Good Shepherd Christ. God's goodness came in the flesh and dwelt among us. And we see perfect godliness in him. So this section points us to Christ. But how does the psalm do that? It's a little bit of a longer section. I'll read the whole thing. But I want to focus, especially pay attention to verse 20 as I read. Starting in verse 15 in the remainder of the psalm. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil 
to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them, delivers him out of them all. Here it is. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge, refuge in him will be condemned. Well, when we look at this section, we find that the Apostle John used this and cited it in his gospel as a fulfillment of Scripture. In John 19.36, he wrote, For these things took place, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. There's two ways we can look at this. We can look at it as a pointer towards Passover, the Passover sacrifice. And I want to look at that just briefly. And then I want to more fully look at the idea of David as a type of Christ. That is to say, David in this story points us to a greater David, Christ. And there's a number of connections that I want to look at. So, Jesus says the greater Passover and the greater David. In terms of the Passover, you'll recall back in Exodus, when the Jewish people were enslaved under Pharaoh, oppressed, many plagues happened, and they were not allowed to leave Egypt to worship God. And the final, on the final straw for Pharaoh was the death of firstborn. And the way Israel would be freed would be the blood on the doorposts from the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. And then they were to keep that as a tradition annually, as a ritual every year after that. The, the instruction for the Passover lamb, that, that sacrifice was that it was a lamb without blemish and none, no broken bones. But perhaps even more than just the connection to Christ who is our Passover and the greater sacrifice, the final sacrifice as we're told in Hebrews, is that we see what, da what David experienced here most fully realized in Christ. Just as David was delivered, so was Christ. The deliverance that David describes is a deliverance from death because he's fleeing from Saul, who's trying to kill him, and into an enemy territory that likely could have done that as well. And he ends there in the cave. It, see the connection. This greater David who comes and, and Jesus comes and is condemned by his own people and then everybody turns against him. He goes to the cross, beaten, killed, a cursed death on the cross. But then he goes to a cave, buried, and conquers that grave. And so this 
praise and joy that David had from deliverance, we have as we look to the gospel and the good news of Christ. Remember I talked about how that taste contrasted the word, how David changed his taste? One of my professors put it this way, all of the benefits held out to us in this psalm are ours because of Jesus Christ. Jesus tasted the bitter cup of God's wrath in our place so that we might taste and see that he is good. Jesus tasted the bitter cup of God's wrath in our place so that we might taste and see that he is good. We have a new year. Many new news stories will come out, but none will surpass the good news of Christ. It is freely offered. The redemption, the rescue, the deliverance is freely offered by God's grace to each of you. If you haven't done so, repent and turn to Christ for eternal life and for redemption and for deliverance that his name may be glorified forever from your lips. It's a great opportunity when we hear this song, what John did of bringing it and pointing us to Christ from the Old Testament and from this psalm. There was a time when one of the um, Israel kings, Asa, uh, was spoken to by a prophet, Azariah. The prophet went to him and said, The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. There's the contrast here by the prophet Azariah, seeking the Lord or forsaking him. And so we are encouraged this morning. We don't want to forsake him. We are encouraged to seek him. As God delivered Old Testament Israel from bondage in Egypt through the Exodus, so also he provided redemption from sin, the oppression of sin, the curse of death, all, through the wor- all for the world through the vicarious death of Christ. Jesus was that greater Passover. Jesus was that greater David. We've made it. We've covered all five. We started by looking at David's experience, picturing that scene in the cave. We connected it to the experience of the believer, the disciple of Christ. I want you to remember that I proposed five ways to seek the Lord this year. Here are some questions to remember it by. Am I seeking God's glory? Am I seeking God's guard? Am I seeking God's goodness? Am I tasting it? Am I experiencing it? Am I aware of it? Do I recognize it? It's it's there for you. Am I growing in Christ's likeliness? Am I seeking godliness? 
And most importantly, have I put my trust in Christ? Am I seeking God's Son? I've noticed as I've prepared this week, this is incredible material for prayer. It was like a fountain of things to think through and meditate on and pray for. God's glory, his guarding, what what he has done for me and my family, his goodness, how we fall short, but what he has encouraged us to do and strengthened us to do and what he's done for us in Christ. I was able to even think of it this way. You might, I don't know if you like these kind of uh, ways to remember the sermon for the week, but I'm going to share it because it happened to me. I was washing my hands, and I said, oh, there was five things there. Glory, guard, goodness, godliness, his son. made washing my hands so much better to think, turn that into a time of prayer. Well, if that encourages you, go for it. Otherwise, be creative. Come up with your, a better way and let me know. <laughs> Seek God in 2017. Shall we pray? Father, we have gathered in Christ's name, the greater David. You have brought us to this point. You've been good to us so far, and you will continue to be faithful, and we praise you for that. We thank you for that. Let your name be magnified this week in each one's lives here. May we grow in grace and maturity of faith. May we crave that spiritual nourishment. And in your goodness, I pray that you would provide it, not only provide it, but pour it out in abundance that we, like David, would share it with others. May your name be glorified in this church throughout the world for our good and your glory forever and ever. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is number 691. Number 691, It Is Well With My Soul.